What's up, guys? Welcome to Triple Threat Talks. I'm Jen. I'm Chris. And tonight we are sharing with you literally an incredible story of survival. Survival being an uncommon statistic in this type of crime, a crime that is more common. But the kicker is that you guys are going to hear the story from the survivor herself. You might have seen her on the Dr. Phil show. Her name is Angelique, or you may have seen her on TikTok as of recently sharing her story as at Angelique Monet Zero. We're going to welcome her now. Hi, y'all. My name is Angelique. Um, Ladies, thank you for having me on here. Um, I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for being it's, here. Uh, I'm just like you guys have seen, you know, I've talked about how my story has been twisted into different, you know, words, been on different TV shows. So I'm extremely excited to be able to get my story out from my own mouth to give people the truth of what has happened and about fetal abduction. There's so many misconceptions mm-hmm. about what happened, but we'll let you go ahead and give it to us. All right. So this I'm I'm 29 now. This happened when I was 18 years old. Um, I met a girl. Her name was Cassandra. I met her from mutual friends. So it was a very normal thing, especially for teenagers. I was a senior in high school. So it was um, very normal to meet friends and to, you know, go out to places with people. I also just never thought that people were crazy (laughs) like this. So my friend introduced us because we were both supposedly pregnant. I was pregnant and she was pregnant. There was a significant difference, like a four month gap between us. I was that new girl once upon a time. So I wanted to make sure to be welcoming to her and welcoming her into our small town and just get to know her. We started off by just going out to lunch, all of us. And it was a nice girl's day. After that, we went to the mall and we did some Christmas shopping. I already had a baby registry at that time, but she didn't. And I think she brought that up in a conversation because somehow we ended up at Babies R Us. (laughs) I remember thinking how, how nice she was and, you know, how cool she was. Again, it was the first, you know, interaction with each other. I thought that she was a completely normal person at that time. Again, no triggers, no signs, nothing. Just a normal teenage girl who me and her the same age, you know, we were able to bond and get along. And so I remember we were like going throughout the stores, you know, with a little, you know, little gun thing and just the best of, part. Yeah. The mm-hmm. best part. It's like, you know, you want everything in that store. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. so it's an exciting moment. I feel. <laughs> and she made her own registry. She did. She made her own registry that day. So okay. I already had one, but she made her own at that day. Did she mention when she was due, like if it was any time related to when you were due? I just remember when I was nine months pregnant, nine, she was nine, uh, she was five months pregnant. So there's a four, like a four month gap between us. Okay. So I think at that time, that was in December, um, seven months. So she was three months, a little little over three months, maybe. So normally you wouldn't usually make a baby registry. So that's why she didn't. Right. Because normally you wouldn't. And she was skinny, you know. Um, people always ask me, you know, didn't you notice, like, anything? And I'm like, when I first met her, she was only, like, three and a half months. And yeah. I don't know about right. y'all, but no, I just showing. showing until I was, like, mm-hmm. five. And, like, especially with your right. first Like, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For yeah. sure. And everybody carries differently, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, like I stated, like, nobody knew I was pregnant until I was, like, five and a half, six months. So mm-hmm. it wasn't uncommon to not no. eat a baby pudge 
So after that, we, we did, you know, the whole baby registry thing. And I think that's from what I remember, I think that's how it ended. Um, you know, we said our, we drove back to uh, Maricopa. That's where this happened at in Maricopa, Arizona. Um, so we were in, if you're from Maricopa, you know, Chandler's only like a 25 minute drive. So it was a, you know, that good old road back home. And that was it. You know, we exchanged phone numbers. We added each other on Facebook. Again, common things that you would normally right. do. Especially like in nowadays, like now it's like, can I have your TikTok? Can I exactly. Have your TikTok? Um, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Almost wanting to get that before you give them your actual number to just vibe them out. Yeah. You know? Stop their page and make sure that they're normal. <laughs> yes. 1000%. I think we all do it. I, I, I'm definitely guilty. <laughs> so we exchanged, you know, again, social media, phone numbers. That was it. And she did. I, I, I would, we would text each other back and forth, especially because she was always having boy problems. And me and my boyfriend at the time, you know, a normal couple, you know, on and off things, but like me and her relate to a certain level of things, like especially being pregnant and being a senior and, you know, just things, there weren't a lot of people that were pregnant when I was pregnant. That's when 16 and pregnant was getting filmed probably. That's exactly when 16 and pregnant was coming out. Cause I remember like I was obsessed with it because I mm-hmm. felt like I could relate on a certain level, mm-hmm. um, being a teenager and being pregnant and, you know, un- you know, unexpectedly just finding out that you are pregnant. Right. So, um, I do remember she, she hung out with a lot of my friends. And so it went from her only being friends with my friend, Hannah and a couple other friends to being friends with everybody. So like my whole inner circle, which this town I grew up in, you know, you know what it's like living in a small town. town. Everybody knows each other, you know, their grand, you know, you know, their mom, their grandma, who owns that farm, who owns that, you know, dairy, that kind of stuff. I love that. (laughs) So everybody, again, everybody knew everybody. So she started circling around and kind of just introducing herself and everybody knew who she was. And you know, I always ask people to people. The one thing everybody said was that she seemed like somebody that just wanted attention. Um, but nobody ever thought anything beyond that. Um, yeah. Interviews done also like with one of the shows that I did, there was an interview done with some of her friends that were my friends and they said the exact same thing. Like, you know, there was nothing like what seemed like a normal girl, like you would have never thought. So everybody partied with her. She was pregnant, though. So that was a little bit weird. But she, you know, she was never drinking. She was never smoking. But she was at parties and stuff like that and just kind of Mm -hmm. socializing. My husband now, well, my husband, my boyfriend at the time, he he met her, too. And he just he just said she was just weird. Like, yeah, she just seemed like some she talked a lot. She talked a lot. So he just said, you know, I mean, I, I met her, but that was basically it, like she's not somebody my husband would be friends with, but right. Again, no bad vibes. Um, was her boyfriend or her child, you said she had boy problems. So was the father of her child in her life or. So she said that his name was Edwin um, and that they had been together since she was younger. So it was like a high school. She She's from Mesa. So Mesa is not that far from where I live. I would say like a good 40 minutes, give or take, depending on how far Mesa you're going into. Mm-hmm. But from what she was telling us was that they were basically they grew up together, like in, like in middle school and high school. And they were, you know, on and off. And Sweetheart. now 
Yes, she there was a she she actually stated that was her husband. So she said they recently got married. Um, oh, my birthday's October. What's crazy too is like, and I thought she was lying until I found out the truth. That I'm October 19th and she's October 30th. So we are very close in age, extremely close in age. Wow. Um, but she said when she turned 18 years old, she married him because um, her her mom died, her dad died, and you know she just she was having this baby. So she stated that they got married, and you know again high school sweethearts. So they've been together for a very long time, on and off. Um, but she always stated that the boy problems were that like he always wanted to go out and party and drink, but mm-hmm. nobody ever met him. Nobody ever mm-hmm. met him. Nobody ever. Hannah though did. So she lived with Hannah at one point in time also. So Hannah is me and her used to be best friends. I mean, I'm talking about like her kids are like my, my, her son's my godson. Um, mm-hmm. We don't talk that much anymore. It's a very random thing that we talk about, but you know, she, Cassandra lived with her at one point in time. And oh. she, yeah, and she was fine. So like no red flags, nothing. No like red that. flags, nothing, nothing at all. Wow. And, and she had a, and she had a baby. Hannah had a baby that was a little over one at the time. At the time. And then mm-hmm. so did she ever meet the Edwin? No, but she did state that she always heard her arguing with somebody. Um, so there was always, she never got the person's name. She never actually met him, but she did state that, like, you know, Cassandra was always on the phone crying about something or arguing about something. And Hannah did say, you know, at one point she just became a little too much and it ended up just being where Cassandra just had, she, she had Cassandra go back with her sister. So from that point, she went from her sister's house to our friend Sebastian's house, which was like the party house, Mm -hmm. but they all worked. And so she basically like they traded services, meaning like when I say trading services, I mean, like from what I know of, it was, if you cook and clean for us, like you're more than welcome to take our extra bedroom. Like three guys here, we work constantly. Like if you want to clean and cook for us, like we would love that because look at the dishes that are piled up, Mm -hmm. like party house kind of. That's Um, not an uncommon arrangement. No, you know, uh, especially if you can, usually it would be a girlfriend, but they didn't Mm -hmm. have a girlfriend. so. So she was like, the live-in mother. <laughs> yes, that's exactly like the, like the dead mother. She just, you know, took care of the house yeah. while everybody. It's kind worked. of weird though, because why would she get married if she wasn't going to live with the guy or, and she was living with the sister, then she was living with Hannah, then she was living with those three guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, what would be the point of getting married at 18? I didn't even think about like what you just stated. I didn't even think about Mm -hmm. Um, because all I knew was that she told me it was her boyfriend, but I I found out later on that, like she stated they got married and then she explained to me why they got married. But you make a very great point because it makes no sense whatsoever. What's the point? Right. Yeah. What's the point of doing that? Cause it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and then like she had a sister that lived out there too. So it was more of like, well, why aren't you with your sister? But she stated her and her sister fought a lot. There were a lot of stories that were circling around again, we're 18. So nobody really was like, Oh, let's go questioning. Let's question yeah. it. If, you know, Let's analyze her any, life. Mm-hmm. Yes, because nobody had any red flags or nobody thought anything of it. It seemed like all of my friends knew her way better than I knew her. So that or, already made me trust more, I guess you could say, because I felt like if anybody had anything that they wanted to say, they would have said it. Um, or they would have been like, hey, like, she's weird. Like, don't hang out with her. Or like, hey, we don't like, you know, teenagers. Right. We don't like her. Yeah. She, don't Don't talk to her kind of thing. But that's. None of that happened. Everybody was still, everybody was friends with her. So. Yeah. Um, I had a baby shower and 
all of my friends came. It was like a huge party, you know, again, we're teenagers. So it was like a huge like party that we had. And she, I miss those. Like they were so much fun. (laughs) So we had a a lot of people there. I did invite her. She didn't come. I forgot what the excuse was, but she just stated that she couldn't come. So this was a couple months later. This was in February. So from December to February, we were texting. We were, we never hung out again, but we were texting. We were on Facebook. You know, I would post ultrasound pictures. Like she would post ultrasound pictures. So like, these were things like that we were liking and going, oh my gosh, how cute. After that, um, she asked if she can come. She asked if she can come over. So for like a good week or so, she kept on stating that she had baby gifts for me. She kept stating, I, I would like to come over and, you know, give you these gifts. Like, or can you come to my, so sorry, let me backtrack. Actually, it was, she wanted me to specifically come to her house. Um, <laughs> and I kept declining or I kept on making excuses. And it wasn't, it wasn't like I had like that feeling like, oh, I don't want to. It was more of just like, or not that I didn't want to, or like that I felt anything. It was more of like, I was very lazy. I was nine months pregnant. I did not want to leave my house. I think I stopped working at that time too. I just didn't, I didn't feel good. And I just didn't want to go out anywhere. And then also like, she just kept doing it. And and that kind of annoyed me. Had you ever been to her house before? No, I've never been to her house. Honestly, I, the last I heard she was living with Sebastian. So Hmm. At some point, she did tell me that she moved back at her sister's house because when I listened to the interrogation tapes, like I state that. So, and I remember talking to my mom and this is when Grey's Anatomy came out because me and my mom were like really big on watching like Grey's Anatomy. Um, and I remember telling her just like, oh, this girl just keeps like this girl, Cassandra, the one I met from Hannah, she just keeps wanting me to come over and I just don't want to go over. Like, I just, I don't want to, like, I don't even want to go hang out with my own friends. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I don't want to. And she was, my mom was the one that suggested, well, why don't you have her come over here? Like where you're comfortable and, you know, it it could be on your time. And I was like, that's a great idea. Like, that's a great idea. Because again, she didn't do anything to make me not want to hang out with her. She didn't. Yeah. I mean, she annoyed me with like asking me so many times, Mm -hmm. but again, I thought that maybe that was just like my pregnancy hormones of me not wanting to go anywhere. For sure. So then I, I, I took my mom's advice and I said, you know what, that's a great, like great idea. Let me invite her over. So I invited her over. Nothing can go wrong, right? You invite a friend over <laughs> to your parents' house. You don't to give you some gifts. Oh, exactly. I was like, my mom's there. My brothers are there. Like, you know, again, just what can go wrong? She comes over. She gets dropped off. My brother answers the door. And she comes inside. She brings this bag. It, it lo- It's a diaper bag that she brought. And it was a big one, too. It was a whole day event. And it's crazy. I can't remember the whole day, but I do just remember her coming over. We started talking, you know, at one point we were watching Team Mom because, you know, it was just, the first season was aired and, you know, we were all into the whole Janelle thing. <laughs> Janelle. Yeah, Janelle. <laughs> there were some, like, I get, like, now I would say, like, some signs, I guess you could say, which I will talk about because these are things that I can now notice now, now that um, I've been through it, now that I can I've taken time to like, you know, analyze everything. These are things that I would consider signs, but not things that like at the moment I considered a sign. Right. Right. She constantly was always on the phone and she spoke Spanish to them. I am full Hispanic. I'm very white Hispanic. My husband (laughs) says I am not Hispanic, but I am white. (laughs) So I, my whole family speaks Spanish. I, unfortunately, me and my brothers, (laughs) we skipped our generation, I guess. 
And so we we can understand some of it, but realistically, like we are not somebody that's, we don't speak Spanish. My mom and dad do. My mom understands Spanish and my dad speaks fluent. She kept on talking in Spanish. And at one point she heard, like my mom laughed at something that she said. And like, she was like, you know, Spanish. And my mom was like, yeah, like we're Hispanic. Like I, I don't speak it fluently, but I do understand it. And like instantly, like that was like a no, like she was like, oh, okay. And like, so she went to another room. Like all the conversations after that. Yeah. All the conversations after that, she went to like a different room or went somewhere else. And at that moment, I didn't think that was weird because I don't know if y'all do this, but when my husband calls me or if it's something that I need, I want to talk in private. Oh yeah. 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 Well, I I courtesy. Yeah. That, exactly. I was going to say it's it's rude to just constantly be on the phone anyways when you're at somebody yes. visiting with somebody. So exactly. So I didn't think of it as weird. It's something that now like I do think of it as like now that like I look back and I think about it, I'm like, huh, like she only did that because she knew my mom knew Spanish mm-hmm. or she knew how to, you know, just understand what was going on. And of course, she didn't want us to know what was going on. Right. Um, now, looking back. We, I had my baby shower a week prior and I remember my couch, like it was one of those like L couches and the whole back, like we had a huge party. The whole back was filled with presents, like behind there. It was, it was a lot of presents Mm -hmm. and we started talking and having conversations about, about like what would happen if you went into labor and we live in a small town. So the nearest hospital would take us about 45 minutes to get to. So it was like a joke, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Like, what would happen, you know, if you went into labor um, and the ambulance couldn't get you there in time? You know, you see movies like this. Yes. Yeah. I had a friend deliver in a car. Exactly. And see, like Mm -hmm. how we're talking about it right now, like it's it's a normal conversation, you know, right. Normal thing it is. And we brought up we brought up a C-section. Now, when we brought up the C-section C-section conversation, it was more of like, at first it was very just like, oh, like, what if you had to have a C-section? My mom was like, well, I've had one. Cause she looked at me and I was like, I don't know. First baby. <laughs> exactly. So like my mom jumped in and was like, you know, I've had one. And she was like, so how, like what happens? And I was like, oh yeah, like this is a great conversation. Like mm-hmm, mom, what happens? Mm-hmm. But my mom started talking and telling her, like, you know, they just cut a little line and, you know, it's like this. And, and like, I remember my mom started talking about it. She was like, like she was sitting up and she was like, where, where, like, show me. Like she physically wanted my mom to show her where they cut and how low did they cut. And she was like, I'm just wondering because, you know, I don't want to have a scar, but like, she was like, I just want to know. So in a way, like now hmm. looking back, like we were feeding her information without yep. us actually knowing that we were feeding her the information because she also asked what happens if the baby is choking or what happens if something happens and the baby can't, isn't breathing. Or I actually, I jumped in and I was like, well, I've seen like in movies, like where they use like that little, um, the bulb and mm-hmm. I'll, you know, we call it a moco sucker. This little snot sucker. Yeah, it's little mm-hmm. snot suckers. You know, we told her that too. And we also stayed and they cut the umbilical cord. Looking back, like, I feel like we were feeding her information. But at the same time, like, it was all just stuff that a curious 18-year-old girl would want to know with having her first baby. Of course. Yeah. How because far along then, was she at this point? I think she was five and a half or six. In the police report, she states that she's seven. That is something also that she kept going 
like John, she told us one thing and later on like when I tell you guys about the paramedics and stuff she tells them a different one and I remember hearing the interrogation and them actually stating like well she says you said that you were this and then you said you were that like you didn't even you wonder how you got caught like you literally yeah. your stories nothing matched up right so she told me that she I think at that time she told me she was like five and a half six and at that point she had like a little a little belly and I remember asking my mom too like when she came over I was like do you think she's pregnant? Like, I, not like, do you think she's pregnant, but she's tiny. Like she's little, like I needed mm-hmm. a reassurance because there yeah. were things that were happening. And I feel like without knowing my gut was telling me something different, but I wasn't right. trusting it. And I wasn't listening to it. That, that yeah. conversation got brought up. My mom's the one that reassured me and just told me that women all carry differently just because you're huge. <laughs> doesn't mean that everybody else is going to be huge with you no it's true yeah Mm -hmm. so like and again she reassured me and again my mom you know obviously she's my mom she's older I felt like okay well she's been around a lot longer you've had three kids like obviously Mm -hmm. you know know your stuff there were other things the last thing that I can remember that she did that was weird before like my mom left was that she mimicked my life she mimicked things that I did so my mom made us lunch uh, around lunchtime and we were sitting down at the table and we were just talking and we were just telling like stories. My mom's like, Oh yeah, well, Angelique was a bad kid. Like, and I was, I was a very, I was a troublemaker when I was younger, <laughs> um, an extreme troublemaker. And so it's funny. Cause like now we can laugh about it with my mom, but like when she was bringing, it, she's I, like, I was like, I was like, this is still like really, it's fresh, <laughs> a little fresh, and a little too soon to talk about it. Yeah. But, but she would have almost the exact same story. So I would say my mom would be like, so Angelique, she ran away and jumped out. She jumped over the wall and ran away and left for a week. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I did the same thing. Yeah, like I ran mm-hmm. away and I jumped over a wall. Am I? Yeah, like. It's no. giving Amber Heard. Yes. Right. Very. And you know what? It might have not been like I know you said that she she talked a lot. But have you ever I mean, of course, you've met somebody like that. But when you meet somebody like that, they kind of you could say, Oh, my God, the sky is so pretty today. And they'll go, Yeah, like, did you see the sky? The sky is so pretty. They will repeat what you Mm -hmm. just said, but make it to where it sounds like they they said it first, said it first, but they're just like repeating right after you exactly what you just said. So maybe it's like, okay, wow, she talks so much. But she was just talking as much as you and then adding in a few details that she obviously mm-hmm. could not remember adding in too many details since she didn't even know how far along pregnant she was. It's crazy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. It's 100% accurate. Like exactly what she stated. Like she would reword things, but just add like her own little twist to it. Sometimes mm-hmm. to make it where it sounded like her. And, you know, I asked my mom about that too. Like there were times that she went to the bathroom and I'd be like, mom like you know she's like she honey she just seems like someone that just needs a lot of attention like and again she told us her story Mm -hmm. about her mom dying and her dad dying and you know how hard it was to grow up and her mom died from breast cancer like when she gave us that story like that made me like cry like I she was Uh crying I was crying because I could feel her pain and I guess that made me think like wow like she's just alone in this world yeah right through things she's been through things and she just wants to feel accepted. And, you know, I remember again, different ages, but I moved to Maricopa when I was 13 and it was a very, very hard time for me. Like, I mean, I went from being 
a really good, good person, a good girl, a straight A student, never, you know, ditched school to being a horrible human being as a teenager, like somebody that I don't even recognize. And so Mm -hmm. in my head, I was just thinking how hard that is to not be accepted and how badly I wanted to be accepted. So I figured that's just the same thing. You know, she just wants to be accepted into a group and be accepted with friends. And Mm -hmm. maybe at that point she'll feel comfortable one day because it was still pretty fresh and still very new. Like it was only a few months of a friendship. Do you feel like your mom kind of felt like she wanted to not mother her, but step in there and give her advice because she was a mother figure in her mm-hmm. life that she did not have, like kind of to make her feel comfortable, I guess. Especially after finding out that she lost her own. I, I yeah. could see that. You know, I've, I didn't, I've never asked my mom that before, but that I honestly could because when we get to the part of the paramedic part, like she jumped in and like was like there for Cassandra over mm-hmm. me. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you're fine. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, mom. So I I guess that 100% is accurate, though. It could be exactly why my mom felt that way, because Mm -hmm. of just the situation that was going on. And just based off of, you know, as a mom, like, if I were to hear that with one of my kids as friends, I would instantly be like, honey, like, if you need anything, or if you, you know, if you need someone to talk to, like, I'm here. So I absolutely like saying that. Yeah, I I feel like I would be the same way. So I don't see why. For sure. Um, she kept on trying to get me to go for walks that day too. And that was really annoying because I did not want to go for a walk. I just did not want to go for a walk. And I made it perfectly clear to her that I don't want to go outside. It is hot. <laughs> I am nine months pregnant. I don't, I'm not in any rush to have this baby. So the one question I always get asked is why didn't you just tell her to leave? Like if you were getting annoyed with her or if you, you know, there was a point in time where I was tired. I got so tired and because I was very religious on my naps. I wanted, there was a point where I did want her to go home. I did because I was extremely tired, not because I was annoyed, not because like I just, you know, felt weird, not because I was uncomfortable. I was just freaking tired. I did like start yawning, like, like exaggerative, like, like that, you know, just going, oh, I'm so tired. And I was hoping that like she would get the hint. Um, she did stay, I, you know, she was like, I'm so sorry. Like my sister's not home and I don't have a key and I just have nowhere else I could go. And then I felt like shit. And I was like, oh man, I'm sorry. Like, it's totally fine, girl. Like we'll watch more team mom. Like, and we just started watching TV. She um, drove there or she got dropped off there. She got dropped off. She didn't have a house key. And so she was stuck at my house. <laughs> so my mom's like, Hey, like we're going to go to football practice. My mom said, if you want to come, you know, it's usually a long practice, but I'll take you guys. I only go for a little bit and we'll come back home. And then like, I'll come back and pick your brothers up, but there's a beautiful lake. You can go walking right there because Cassandra kept asking throughout the day that she wanted to go for a walk. And so it's cooled down. It's nighttime now. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm up for a walk. I think I can do that. Like, I think it'll be fine. So I asked Cassandra and she was complaining that she was having really bad cramps and that she just didn't feel that well. And that she wanted to stay. And I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, I, I could respect right. that just like you didn't respect mine, but I could respect mm-hmm. that for you. I'm not going to ask yeah. you 600 more times either. Yeah. Because that's what a normal person does. Mm-hmm. It is kind of funny, though, that she asked you to go walk all this time. And then when your mom presents you with the opportunity to go walk, she suddenly doesn't want to. Exactly. So she states that she wants to stay at my house and that gives us a moment to be alone by ourselves, just me and her. So, and it was like a, it was like a light switch turned off, like literally like thing when my mom left, it was like a whole new person. And 
it threw me back for a second because it's really, I started thinking that my mind was messing with me a lot throughout that time because it was like, how are you this normal person or what I considered like a normal person and then boom, by ourselves, like it's like, what's going on? Um, yeah. It didn't happen right away. It happened very slowly. And all of this happened within an hour. I, I would say 45 minutes to like an hour. All of this took place. And so the whole thing, the whole thing took place within 45 minutes to an hour. So oh it sounds like a lot when I say it, but like it happened so fast that that's why yeah. it was hard for me to really take back what was going on. So when she left, my mom left, um, things didn't get weird for like at least a good 10 minutes. But she instantly, like, remembered that she brought me presents. And I totally forgot that's the whole reasoning she even came over was because she Mm -hmm. had presents for me. That's the whole reason she kept bugging me to come to her house. So it became present time. (laughs) And I remember it wasn't completely dark at that time. It was starting, the sun was starting to go down. So I remember she took my kitchen chair. She sat it in the middle of the kitchen. And she said, okay, so I want you to sit in the chair. I'm going to turn it around. And close your eyes. And I was like, huh? And she was like, yeah, I want you to sit in the chair, turn around and close your eyes. And I'm going to come up behind you. And one by one, like, I'm going to, I'm going to drop like, or she just stated that she was going to show me the presents. And I, I thought, <laughs> thought it was really like really weird. Like it was, I've never been given. I don't think I've ever known anybody to be given presents that way. No, mm-hmm. but I was just like, okay. Like, okay. So I sat, I want, I was honestly very curious on what, <laughs> what was happening Mm -hmm. so I'm like sitting there in the chair and she she was though she was coming up behind me so picture like I'm just how I'm sitting in this chair right now and her just coming up behind me and just dropping a present oh my god that's so creepy it is yeah and I would get the present and but it would be a present like it really would be and I would open it up and like it was like a baby onesie and a receiving blanket and it but it was one by one a receiving blanket a regular blanket like were they wrapped I can't remember. I want to say they were, but I'm not positive. I don't remember if they were, if they weren't. Um, But she just kept dropping them in. So I I kept on, you know, thanking her and thanking her. And I remember I could smell something like, and I I smelled the clothes and they reeked like cologne. So like, I definitely figured out they look like Mm hand-me-downs. They didn't have tags, but they reeked like a man took it and just rubbed it all over himself. And you know, my parent, I'm a very respectful person. You know, my parents always, I just, like, I right. teach children. I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care if it's something you don't want. You always say thank you. And if you don't want it in the end, like whatever, throw it away. But like you say your thank you and you be appreciative. And that's how right. I thought. So I kept saying, oh my God, thank you so much. Like, this is so cute. I, I appreciate everything that you're giving me. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm being very, very nice about it. The last thing she gave me was a like a baby carrier, like one of those um, ones that the like you wear, like a baby wearing, oh, yeah. you know, contraption thing thing. Yeah, those. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that was the last thing that she gave me, and that was hard for me to accept because it was an expensive one, and it was like a two hundred dollar one or something, and I just couldn't. It that made me feel uncomfortable because. In my head, I'm like, you're a, you're a mom, like you're about to be a mom, like yeah. And and at that time, like we're 18, we don't have great jobs, so like I'm like, I'm right. just like, buy this. She but, didn't even have a house, like she had nowhere to live, nothing. Right, very, no car, not yeah. even a key to her. You know, right. sister's house, yeah. right? So I just felt like uncomfortable about accepting it, and I even told her I feel uncomfortable accepting this. 
And she stated that she had her baby shower already and she was given like two or like two of them or three of them. And, you know, she kept the one that she wanted and she was like, there was no like receipt to take it back. And she's like, so I want to give it to you. That made me feel better. I'm not going to lie. That made me feel a lot better. I was like, okay, oh, that's okay. I can accept like, okay. She stated that she wanted to give me the last, like this last present and that it was a surprise and that we needed to be in the dark. And I, I don't remember if anything took place before that, but again, this was like, 45 minutes to an hour. So somehow we made it into my bedroom because she wanted to me, she wanted to show me the last present, which she stated was like one of those lights that shine on the ceiling. Um, they like came like in a stuffed animal mm-hmm. Yeah. She stated. It was like a, like one that was specially made for Ryland. Like it was a, spe- I, and she wouldn't tell me, she was like, let me show you. Like, I want to show you. And I was like, I was really excited about it because I didn't get one. Like I really, really, Oh, that's sad. So I like really wanted one because like they were like now like they're, you know, now they make cooler ones, but like this yeah. is like, coming out with them. And it was like, a, do you remember? It was like a frog uh, or like a bear. We had one. Yeah. Uh, See, yep. like they're just, they're so cute. And so I really just wanted one. And so I was so excited about it. And I'm, in my head, I'm thinking like, oh my God, she specially made it for me. Like I'm all giddy inside. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't wait to see it. Uh. So um, I'm, expect, I'm expecting to like find this like really cool present. Mm-hmm. And so I go inside the room and she tells me to turn around and close my eyes. And I'm just like in my head, I'm just, like, this just must be her thing. Like her thing must be just like turn around and close your eyes kind of thing because she's doing it <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I turn around. I don't close my eyes because it's dark in the room already. And as I'm standing there, I start thinking these weird things, like weird thoughts. And it, it, what felt like I was standing there forever, I wasn't, but it felt like I was standing there forever. And in my head, I kept on thinking, what would you do if she were to stab you? How would you react and what would you do? Wow. Oh my gosh. Random thought. Random thought. Mm-hmm. I, I went from being giddy and happy inside of this present to wondering what was going like what what was I like what would happen if I got stabbed like and who thinks that so and I remember going back and it was like it was like going back and forth with myself I was like like what would happen if you got stabbed then I was like stop thinking that way then I was like but what would you do but then don't think that way and then I was like no like how would you react like how would you stop her how would you do this and I just kept telling myself in my head, like in my head, I kept stating like, stop, stop. Like it was mm-hmm. weird. It was a very, I've never, I've never had this feeling. I've never talked to myself like this before. And so again, it felt like I was standing there forever, but it was only like, it had to have been like a minute. And oh, I instantly started feeling really uncomfortable. And then I didn't realize how long I was standing there. So then I, 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 I lied and I was like, my back hurts. Like, and I just kept stating my back hurts, Cassandra. And so I was like, I'm going to sit down on my bed so that I could see her. And it was dark. So it's not like I could actually see her, but right. face her. So I was, I was faced like this. I ended up turning around like this so that I can see what, like see her from the front. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, I'm sitting there like that on my bed and she instantly grabs her stuff and comes up on the behind, like behind me on the bed. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she was like, well, I want, I'm going to come over your head because like the way the light, like she, the way that she explained it, she, she wanted it to be a surprise. Just ultimately. like, it was just a presentation of something. Mm-hmm. And this was what she, like the way that she thought show. of it. 
yeah, like putting on a show or just the way that she imagined it. I mean, she was very particular how she wanted it to be done. And even while I was sitting there, I remember grabbing my phone. And at this time, I think I had a, I had a flip phone or I had like an MV, the MV phone, like the orange mm-hmm. one. And I remember putting my finger, putting my mom's number, like as she's like sitting there taking her time, I put my mom's number in and I keep like my finger on the call button. No idea why I'm doing this. Like I have no clue why I'm even, I've never done this before. I've never felt that way. And in my head, like I'm, I'm, my hands are shaking. I feel very uneasy. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And all of a sudden, like, I feel her hand touch my shoulder. Oh my God. And she's like, are you ready? Yeah. And like in my head, I'm just like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) And she like takes my shoulder and I just, I, what I remember is being put forward. So, and then I remember going, what are you doing? And she didn't answer me, but she started to count and she went one, two, on three. I got so freaked out by it. Like that. I jumped up as fast as I could. And I was like, what are you doing? And she got startled. I ran to the light, turned the light back on. And coincidence that her phone rang immediately, like right then and there, her phone started ringing and she got on the phone and started talking to somebody in Spanish. And I'm just staring at her. Like, I remember analyzing her, analyzing her body language, analyzing everything that was going on. And I'm just like, like what? And she was talking for a while because I ended up getting up and leaving out of the room. And I remember walking to the kitchen thinking in my head, what just happened? Chaos. yeah, like what? My palms are sweaty right and mine now. Mine too, literally. Oh. That the fact the fact that you had all of those, you know, you were so young, but what you had were primal instinctual feelings, primal feelings. We know when we're in danger, even if there's no precursor, no precursor to it. It's, it's kind of like when you know somebody's looking at you right? It's called primal gaze detection. Like you have that. And so you were feeling that, but you're so nice that you doubted yourself, which most people probably would do. Yeah, man, that's just, I definitely doubted myself. I doubted, I, I doubted more because I, and you know, like you never think that anything bad could ever happen to like anybody. And then you never think anything bad could happen to you. Right. I was thinking that in my head, like the whole time that when I left the room, I had to like calm myself down and make myself understand that I'm crazy, like that I'm crazy. It sounds, it's just all together. Like, I just was like, no, like if she were to kill you, she would have killed you. Like she would just stab, like she would, whatever whatever feeling it would have happened. And obviously it didn't happen. And it, it just, it was really, really hard for me to grasp that I was right. It really was. It was extremely hard for me at that moment to even think that there was a possibility that what I was feeling was right. It was extremely hard, but there was something in the back of my head that just kept on. It, it wouldn't go away. The right. And what was happening would not go away. So instead, and I was scared. I was, I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was scared to ask her not only to ask her. And I, I have watched a lot of SVU. <laughs> a lot of SVU. I do know that if you, you know, like, it's like, it's like, if you want, you know, what's the word, um, like your instincts kick in and you want to survive. So yes. The way to survive is to be able to act stupid or just pretend yes. like you don't know what's going on. Fight or flight. Yeah. Yep. Fight or flight. Exactly. So I feel like at that moment, I didn't know I was doing that, but I was because 
I I wasn't stupid. I knew what was happening, but at the same time I was scared. And I was also scared to accuse somebody of doing something because she's, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a senior in high school. Like everyone talks. What happens if she mm-hmm. just goes and says, well, you know, your friend just accused me of trying to kill her. And all I was trying to do was give her a present. Like right. all of those like scenarios were going on in my head. And I was just like, wow, like, am I really ready to just like accuse this Say girl? That. Yeah. Just like ask her. And, you know, yeah. that kind of just wasn't something that I was going to do. So instead I was like, okay, let's just keep testing. <laughs> instead, I just kept on being nice and just figuring out what was kind of just trying to figure out what was happening. And yeah. so at that point, she went into the bathroom and she ended up like peeing herself or something. It was a, it was a whole fake thing altogether. So fake, but she went to the bathroom, um, said she had to go to the bathroom. I'm out there doing my nails and I just, and I didn't even ask her about the light. I didn't even ask her like, can I see the light now? Like I was, <laughs> I didn't want to see the light. Like, I don't want to see it. You can have the light. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want the light anymore. So I was like, if I don't talk about it, it won't, we won't go back in that room. And right. Like, whatever mm-hmm. I think happening won't happen. So like, it was just like, don't even bring up the light, Angela. Like leave it alone. Just fucking leave it alone. Mm-hmm. So I start doing my nails in the kitchen. She goes to the bathroom. She comes out and she has like water on her pants. And that distracted the shit out of me because me just as a person that I am I'm a very nice person I instantly was worried about her you know, oh yeah now and was like did your water break and she was like I I, I don't know I, I I think it might have and I was like oh my gosh and she was like what do I do and I was like well your water broke and you gotta go to the hospital I'm still believing that she's pregnant too so you know I'm worried and she's like will you come with me and it's not like I'm gonna tell her no so yeah, I was like I... what would you do would you just say like no I don't no. know yeah, like no, you would, you would, would totally go. Like, I just couldn't say no. And I, and I, and I ultimately I was worried. Like it fucking distracted the shit out of me. Like I definitely forgot about what was happening and she was all down for it. She called somebody and was like, Hey, like we're, we, I need to ride to the hospital, blah, 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 whatever. Like started talking to somebody and hung up. And I was like, okay, well, let me call my mom and let her know what's going on. Like that I'm going to be gone. And she was like, well, why do you wait? You need to call your mom. And I was like, yeah, like I, I, I need to let her know where I'm at. Like, even though I'm older, I still, I live with my parents. Like I still have to right. tell where I'm at. And that somehow made her feel uneasy. And she was like, let me make sure I didn't like pee myself. And I was like, oh, okay. So I let her go back in the bathroom. She comes back out and she's like, and she came out and she was like almost in tears She's like, I'm so embarrassed right now. I'm so embarrassed right now. And I'm like, what's the, she's like, I think I peed myself. And she called that person back and told them I'm sorry. It was a false alarm. Like, I I think I'm fine. Like, you don't have to come get us kind of thing. And I don't remember who she called. I don't remember. I know what she told me, but I don't remember who it was. I don't remember if it was her brother. I don't remember if it was Edwin. I don't know who it was. Um, But whoever it was, she called back and told them never mind like don't come and so uh, she was embarrassed and I felt bad for her because I have been to the hospital plenty of times so anytime that I did have I have like three false alarms I'm not gonna lie so that's why like I believed her also you thought she was only like five or six months pregnant so it that's also right. oh god mm-hmm. exactly so and yep. like I stated it was a very very great distraction very very mm-hmm. great distraction for me and so I told her like you know you can have some of my clothes like you know she wanted to try on some of my clothes anyways because I guess Edwin was coming down and they were gonna go out I don't there was a whole story and I don't remember exactly, but there was something having to do that she wanted to try on a dress. And so I let her, I told her go into my, you know, she asked if she can go into my room and try it on. And I said, yeah. 
let her go into my room. She tried on this dress. Um, I did light a candle in my room. So they were one of those like teacup candles, like the little ones, and then the scents that go up and it like mm-hmm. smells good. So I lit one of those and not for, there was no reasoning. I always get asked this, like, was there a reasoning why I lit it? No, I'm just a candle freak. I love candles. Mm-hmm. I wanted my room to smell good. It just seemed like a great opportunity, like <laughs> to light a candle. Yeah. Yeah. So I light the candle and, you know, she goes into the room, she tries on the dress, she comes out, she shows the dress and I'm like, oh, it's cute. Like if you want it, you can have it. And even at this point though, like I'm, I'm annoyed. I am. I'm annoyed by the whole thing. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Like at this point, I cannot wait for her to leave my house. Oh, <laughs> I bet. Counting down the minutes of this, of her leaving my house. So she ends up coming out. I go inside the room and I notice that the I don't notice the candles out right away, but I smell something weird, um, like a burning smell. And so mm. I search, I search, and I search everywhere just because the smell is so strong. Um, I look under my bed. I look in like my drawers. I have Cassandra looking around too. Like, do you smell that? And she's like, no, I look in my closet. I look everywhere in my room possible and there's nothing. And it wasn't a very big room. So then I look at the candle and I notice the candles out. And I, I'm thinking it's weird because I swear that I lit a new candle. Like in my head, I thought I lit a new candle, but um, it's very possible that I lit a candle that had a little bit of wax in it and the candle, you know, mm-hmm. it, it could have went out. Put itself out, yeah. But I'm still trying to like evaluate and figure out what's happening. So I take the candle. I even take the candle out. I look at it. I think about it. I go and I take it and I throw it away and I go for some reason, something inside of my head is telling me to grab another candle, light it and see what happens. No reasoning, just do it. So I go, I light another candle, do the same thing. And instantly she has to go try on another dress. She's like, Oh, I need to try this on. And she kind of like, almost like, like not shoves me out of my room, but it's more of like, let me, can can I try this on? I, Oh my gosh, I really like this dress. And I'm like, Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then I close, she closes the door. And for some reason there is again, this voice that I don't know how else to explain is like whispering in my ear, telling me that she's going to, that, 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 that she's starting my house on fire. That's the one thing that like I kept thinking. And I don't know why I instantly jumped to her. I, I don't know why I instantly jumped to her starting my house on fire, but that's just the only thing that I can, how I can explain it. So I remember going my pantry. So like if this is my room right here, my brother's room was next door. And then there was a hallway that went down. So my pantry was right here. So my pantry was diagonal from Mm -hmm. my bedroom. And I remember going into my, my pantry and I remember pretending like I was looking for something, but I wanted to like stare and like watch the, like watch her shadow. Yes. Under the door frame. Under the door frame. And I remember like going like this, like pretending to grab things and make noise so that it sounded like I was in my pantry. At this point, I'm like super, what is the word? Um, I'm paranoid. Yeah. I'm paranoid yeah. that she's going to come out and be like, why are you looking at? Like, what are right. you doing? Well, so you're like, like, first of all, if I accuse her of wanting to stab me, then people are going to be like, did you really just accuse this bitch of trying to stab you? And then you're like, this bitch is trying to set my house on fire. <laughs> 
And then you're like, oh, God, I don't want to offend her. It's like when you're in a vehicle and somebody sketchy walks really close and you're like, I want to lock the door, but I don't want to offend them. You know they can hear when you lock the door. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, all the SVU that you watched Mm -hmm. probably, probably helped a little in terms of you trying to figure out what exactly she was doing. I was very determined to figure out what was happening. And I'm Mm -hmm. very, it's very, you know, it's very weird that like my, you know, people are like, oh, I would have kicked her out by now, or I would have done this, or I would have left my house. And in my head, I'm just thinking like, those are so many different things that you could have done, but it could have, should have, but yeah, but it's just one of those things that you never, I don't know. I just, I guess I was. You don't know how you're going to react until you're in the situation. It's just like when people say like with kids. When I have a kit, don't <laughs> don't say it. Do yeah, not you tell me. Know. Yeah. Right. And especially when you're afraid or you're feeling sketched out to begin with, you're not just going to be like, get the fuck out of my house. Like, yeah, you're not. You're not. You were trying to survive. Yep. Exactly. So I ended up doing exactly what I stated. Just I was pushing bags, you know, like shit <laughs> stuff, just to make noise, just to make it like pretend like I was looking through my pantry but I was just literally staring. I remember staring at the shadow and all I could see was her shadow going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. She was, and it wasn't like a slowly, it was like a, like she was pacing, she was pacing back and forth. And in my head, I was like preparing myself. And I'm like, Angela, she's starting your your room on fire. She's starting your room on fire. Oh my God, what are you going to do? Like, I'm already preparing myself for what the hell's happening. Who changes on clothes? Who changes clothes? Like, and goes back and like, what are you doing? Exactly. And there's no mirror right there. So it's just, it, I was thinking of everything in my head to try to make it sound like it made sense, mm-hmm. but none of it made any sense at that point. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like none of there, mm-hmm. I can't even come up with different scenarios because none of it makes any sense. And so she opens the door and I immediately barge right into there. And I immediately look at the candle and I say, what, why is the candle out again? The fan wasn't on the windows weren't open. It was nighttime. I just, and I, so the candle was out again and I look at her and I go, why is the candle out again? But then I, but then like what stops me is that the smell is so strong that I can like, I can't see it. I can't see smoke anywhere, but I can smell it. And it is so strong. Hmm. And so now I'm just like, where is that coming from? So I instantly, I instantly go everywhere into my room again. I do the exact same thing. I even go to my brother's room and she's just following me. And I opened the closet door and everything's my whole closet's on fire. Oh my God. Oh my. And I just looked in there, not even, we'll say maybe like six or seven minutes prior to that. So the, within that time, my whole closet was inflamed, everything. And wow. I went into panic mode. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine after having the suspicion and then being like, it makes it all real. So probably made everything you felt that whole night real seeing that she actually set it on fire. That's, that's how I felt. But at that moment I was like, so worried about my house burning down mm-hmm. and, and I still didn't, I couldn't figure out the motive. I, I, I kept on trying to think like why, you know, it, it ran through my head through, throughout that 45 minutes to an hour. It ran through my head. Like why? Like I've been nothing but nice to her. I've been nothing but great to her. I haven't, done anything to make her offend her I haven't done anything to make her I wasn't even thinking about Ryland at the time I'm not gonna lie like I've and all my interviews and like my interrogation tape everything 
I have never mentioned that I think that she's going to steal my child. I just think right. she's going to steal me. That's all I think. Right. Well, you think of when you're pregnant. I, I mean, at least I did. I remember, especially after having one child and then getting pregnant again two at one time but I was like god when they come out I'm not going to be able to protect to protect them from the world but when they're in here you feel like you can protect them from anything and everything Mm -hmm. because you're in complete control but when they're out so when you're pregnant so you're like I need to fight for me because fighting for you is fighting for your child you're not thinking this baby is going to come out of me at any second that's honestly exactly yeah exactly exactly that I was not thinking of you know fetal abduction like I didn't even know that was a, I didn't even know people did that so that was right. not crossing my mind whatsoever so it was really hard even when the when the fire started that really I went into the mode of let's get the fire out mm-hmm. and I mean I didn't even call 911 that's how like just you get startled I was so startled by the whole thing even though I knew what was happening it was crazy seeing it actually happen Mm -hmm. and be there and seeing flames and I didn't know what to do so I immediately took my phone and just dialed the last person that called me which ended up being my best friend Skylar and I'm just like screaming like my house is on fire like help me And Skylar only lived down the street from me. So he called 911 for me. I He told me to get out of the house, but I was very determined to get this fire out because they were all my clothes. And I was right. like, I don't want everything to burn. Right. So I remember going to the sink and grabbing pots and pans and a cup. And I, you know what, till this day, I still swore that I grabbed a pot, but <laughs> I looked at my tapes and I grabbed a cup. I, I, gave, her a, <laughs> I gave her a cup, a, a pot and I, and I, I I'm trying to laugh. That's I, me. Yeah, the tiniest vessel. The tiniest thing. <laughs> it doesn't make no. So I'm running, and I, I listen to my tape, and I was, uh, I hear them, I hear them ask me, "What did you grab?" And at this whole time, <laughs> I tell people that I grabbed a pot, but I'm embarrassed to say that I grabbed a cup. No, I mean, <laughs> and I ran back and forth from the sink in the kitchen when the bathroom was right there. Pregnancy brain, okay? You were about to have a baby. You uh, have to laugh at it though because it's so yeah. oh yeah traumatizing. Like, <laughs> man, if you don't laugh at trauma or post it on TikTok, then did you even go through trauma? Right. I agree. I agree now. You know, it's one of those humor and people sometimes don't people that have not gone through trauma sometimes don't understand it mm-hmm. but like, it's just an easy way to get through it she I, so I put the fire out like I yeah put the fire out at least I thought I did and we were coughing a lot like my whole house was filled with smoke so I remember opening the garage door op- open and like smoke was rolling out of my like out of the garage and I grab her oh and God. I drag her outside with me not aggressively more of just like we're choking out yeah yeah like and so we're coughing and coughing and like I'm like are you okay like and you know by that time Skylar got there they called 911 so like I could hear the sirens like we could hear it um but Skylar got there first she went like running down the street for some reason I have no idea at this point I'm like good riddance Cassandra yeah Yeah, she was running down the street and I don't exactly know why when I listened to the interrogation They also stated that she ran down the street. I have, I still don't remember why or what the. She really was. wanted to go on a walk. She really, yeah. <laughs> she, she really she needed that exercise. Up. She knew she fucked up. That's yeah. what her deal was. Yeah, mm-hmm. she ran down the street, 
and Skylar gets out of the car. He comes and talks to me and he's like, I'm like, I don't know, let her go. <laughs> let her go. You're like, so, God, thank God she left. Yeah, I'm like, I love you. it. Thank you, Cassandra. It's <laughs> been a pleasure. <laughs> uh, so I start telling Skylar, I started telling him like what happened. And I start telling him like, okay, I need to tell you something. And he's like, okay, I said, but you can't tell anybody. And he's like, okay, I'm like, yeah, Pinky promise. He's like, all right, <laughs> Pinky's promises me. And I start telling him what happened. Like, I don't tell him the whole story, but very, this is this is literally how I sounded. So I think she was trying to kill me. I think she was going to stab me. I think she started my house on fire. I don't know why, but this is what happened. This happened. Yeah. And, I, and I just sit. And he's just like. Mm. Wait. Uh, and then I go, I sound crazy, don't I? And he's like, yeah, don't, don't tell anybody that. Like, oh, should, no. Like, so he made me feel like I invalidated. Like, like every, he made me feel I started I started second guessing myself again, yeah. I started stating, OK, maybe I am wrong. Like maybe, And I don't want to tell anybody. So like the fire is like by that time, the fire department has showed up. My mom and dad are there. The police are there. The paramedics are there. She's back. And, you know, I don't I mean, I'm just like. Don't need, everything's happening so damn fast. And again, mm-hmm. what I told you guys prior, that was 45 minutes to an hour. So football practice wasn't even over yet. But my, my dad was home. My mom got the call. She was coming back with the boys early. And it was a whole shit show that was going on. Mm-hmm. And only thing that my parents know is that something caught on fire in my closet. That's all they know. No other details. The fire restarted. So when the when the fire department came, they went straight into my bedroom because the fire restarted. So their ultimate goal was put the fire back out. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking in my head, Skylar tells me I, I sound crazy. He says I'm crazy, says I sound crazy. So I'm just going to leave it to him that I'm crazy. Right. It makes more sense to me that for me to believe that I'm crazy than for me to right. believe that something is going on. Mm-hmm. So in my head, too, I'm thinking, okay, the fire department's in there. This is their job. They're going to mm-hmm. figure out what happened. And Maybe they're going to figure something else out. Maybe they're going to have some kind of explanation that something blew up in my closet, that something, you know, I don't know. Like, I was honestly, fingers crossed, hoping to God that there was an explanation because, I mean, who wants this to happen to them? Nobody wants this to happen. Nobody, everybody wants to think there's something, there's the benefit of the doubt. Right. So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed at this point. And I'm not saying a word to anybody. I don't want anybody to know that I'm crazy because Mm -hmm. it's Skylar. Skylar basically told me I'm crazy. So I am, again, Pinky promised me and everything. So I'm like, okay, I have nothing to worry about. So I'm coughing a lot. I'm having contractions. The paramedics are checking me out. She starts having contractions and starts like mimicking me basically going, but she's like out of control. Like, oh, oh, like, and her oh my God. In her interrogation tape, she's like, uh, uh, like she's acting like she's wow. in so much pain and I'm that is so annoying mm-hmm. yeah because she's faking the whole thing and so my mom this is where my mom comes in so I'm getting checked out I start to feel better after I get oxygen and everything I start to feel better they're asking us questions though basic question what's your first name what's your last name what's your address what's your phone number how many weeks are you you know just normal mm-hmm. questions and they're te- you know 
doing my blood pressure, all of that. She's right next to me, kind of right next to me, a little farther down. And I just hear her on the phone with somebody going, oh yeah, me and Angela, you're going to have our babies together. What hospital are you going to? What hospital are you going? Can I go to the hospital that she's going to? And I'm like, please don't, please don't. Wow. That was her mimicking you again. Like you said earlier, she always tries to mimic, like she was mimicking everything. And then you were having contractions. She started having contractions. That's to the next level. She's psychotic. Literally. She's crazy. So she and I like remember telling the paramedics, like, please don't, please don't, like, please don't put me with her. Like, I don't want to go. <laughs> I feel better now. I feel great. Like, I don't need to go to the hospital. <laughs> so my mom instantly goes, are you OK? And I'm like, yeah, I feel better. She's like, OK, I'm going to go check on Cassandra. And I'm like, I'm all salty about it. Like, like, OK, cool. My mom go ahead and be her mother then. Like, that's how mm-hmm. I felt. So she's over there and my mom starts catching on to some things that are happening. She's giving different information that she gave us. So first off, like where she lives, she gave a different address in, in Mesa. Her phone number was a different phone number. How many weeks she was, was different weeks. So my mom started to like, kind of just look at her like, hmm. these weren't things that you told us, like kind of thing. Um and as I'm still getting checked out, like she leaves and goes back with like my dad. And again, everybody's still in the house checking, getting the fire all put together. And I see Jamie, which is Skylar's mom. She's there with with all of us. She's talking to my dad and my mom. And they all give me this like look, like the parent look, like the mm. all stare at me. And, and when like, they do that, that look was like, you got some explaining to do kind of look. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh boy. Just like, oh my God, they're going to know I'm crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still feeling like it's your fault. Still mm-hmm. feeling like it. But Skylar was over listening to what Cassandra was saying and he was catching on to the lies and he was catching on to her doing things. So he looked at me and just apologized. And all he said to me was, I'm sorry. And she like, I had, I felt like I had to say something because yeah. I'm starting to believe you. Like I, yeah. I'm starting to understand after being around her for five minutes, what's going on kind of thing. Wow. And oh so God. I looked at him and I just said, thank you. Like, that's all I said was thank you. I wasn't even upset. I didn't know how I was going to tell my parents because it still didn't make sense to me. And so I remember I was done getting checked out. She was still getting checked out. My parents went, wanted me to go inside the house. The fire's handled, the fire, all the investigator teams are in there trying to figure out what started, like they're taking everything out of my closet at that point, mm-hmm. checking everything out into like, you know, into containers and stuff. And I start to tell my parents what happened. And I'm like, mom, dad, like I, and same thing like I did with Skylar. I think she was going to kill me. I think she was going to stab me. She told me she had this light for me. She went into my room, the candle, like I just kind of break it down for them, like in a minute, like just what I think. And they, I, I, it's funny. I asked my mom just a few days ago, just so I can get like refreshed in my brain. Mm -hmm. I said, what did you feel at that moment? And she said, I thought you were crazy. Like those were her words. I thought you were crazy. You also were a teenager that I was a very, I was in a, I loved attention when I was younger. I did. I loved attention. I loved, um, I always wanted to be the center of attention. Um, everybody swore I was going to be like some kind of drama major. And I, just everybody always thought that I, like, that's just who I was. Mm-hmm. And to an extent I was, I will admit, you know, and so my mom and dad thought that I was just look, not looking for attention, but more of just exaggerating the truth. Right. Like, right. Like being dramatic. Mm-hmm. So, but what teenager isn't? Exactly. Exactly. 
So they looked at me like I, I asked my mom that and she said, you know, we thought that you were we looked at you like you had three heads because it didn't it didn't make any sense. It made no sense why somebody would come to our house and do this. And so like as like they're looking at me, I'm just like, I feel crazy all over again. Mm-hmm. And I remember the paramedics coming inside and they're like, OK, Cassandra wants to go to the hospital. And it was either the paramedics or it was the police. Somebody came inside and stated that she wanted to go to the hospital and that she wanted her stuff. And remember, she was trying on my clothes. So they start grabbing my clothes. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Those are my clothes. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is hers. And I literally go like this to hand them the bag. And as I'm about to hand it to them, I grab it right back. And I just go, hold on one second. And like, I do it in front of everybody. I put it on top of the counter. I'm sitting there and I'm like, it sounds so dramatic, but I'm just like in there, just like talking. She said she had this light for me. She said she had this light for me. If the light's in the bag, I'm crazy. Like that proves Mm -hmm. that I am nuts. That proves that this whole day I've been making things up in my head. And I just go, I just kept having this feeling mom, like she was going to stab me. And like, I'm just putting my hands in and instantly I feel metal. And I literally just pull out a butcher knife out of there and I drop it onto the like the counter and I go into like I'm just hysterical at that point and I just start screaming wow I told you she was gonna stab me not even I told you she was gonna kill me I told you she was going to stab me nightmare fuel creepy pasta nightmare fuel but in real life it was intense it was extremely intense and to me, like, I felt like I was going to throw up because I couldn't believe I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine that it was happening. I couldn't believe that this was real. everything was validated. Everything mm-hmm. was validated. Every little thing that I was thinking was like, wow, you weren't crazy. And I just I I went into like a panic mode. My poor mom, she 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 grabs the knives and the bag and she runs outside and she's like, this is what we found. And the cops are like, man, <laughs> and they're like, put, your, put, put the knives down. And she's like, this was on the bags. <laughs> oh my gosh. And they had already taken Cassandra to the hospital at that point. I, however oh long God. that took for us to do that, they already took her into the ambulance and she left. So I remember sitting on the couch and staring at a wall crying and just repeating the same words over and over again. I was like, I was in like a daze. I just kept saying, I told you she was going to stab me. I told you she was going to stab me. And every time somebody would come up to me, I would just look at them and go, I told you she was going to stab me. I told you she was going to stab me. Like it's all I I kept saying that over and over. Like it felt forever, but it was like probably like 15 or 20 minutes. And I was just staring at the wall and sitting there like in shock. And mm-hmm. at that point, my street had been closed down and they found um, the but They found two butcher knives, a pair of scissors, disinfectant, um, alcohol and new, a newborn diaper. And like, oh boy. she had she had everything. And then all those presents that she gave me were all other things that she was going to use, too. They were all things that she brought from the bag. So the newborn onesie, the receiving. Oh, blanket, OK. The everything the baby carrier she was planning on putting the baby in the baby carrier taking the baby with her like she oh. brought everything to take my to take my son and to take oh my ah. hence the c-section conversation mm-hmm. section conversation hence the only thing she didn't have and I don't know if I mentioned this but 
when we were talking about the bulb, she wanted me to go through my presence to find it for her, to show her what it was, like what it, what it was. And I'm like, you know what it is. Like everybody yeah. knows what that thing is. Even if you don't have a baby, you know what that thing is. Right. You've had that thing in your nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is so freaking insane. When did you find out that they found that stuff right then and there? Right then and there, they were, they were putting everything into, um, into bags, evidence, yeah, evidence bags. And they were questioning us and they were, you know, wondering what was happening. And again, my street got closed down, nobody in, nobody out. So like, there was like a mark on like each side of my street and it was all put down for an attempt to murder scene and for arson. And so they started just doing like a full investigation and I didn't sleep that night. I just kind of, I, I don't even remember. Like, it's just, it, that's how much I, I think I blocked that out because it was very, mm-hmm. it was very painful. It was very mm-hmm. extremely emotional and painful for me that night because I just, she was out and, you I know. I can't imagine. Did she know? So she was in the hospital at this time getting checked out for the pregnancy, which I'm, it's not pregnancy. Um, does she know at that point that she is suspected of attempted murder? So, no, I don't think she knew. Um, the reason I don't think she knew is because the next morning um, they had me come down to the police station and they wanted me to act like I had no clue what was happening. They want they they were under the impression that she let she ended up checking herself. She ended up leaving the hospital altogether. And the only thing I had was her phone number. And like AMA left the hospital or she just left didn't even I mean te- you know usually when you're AMA you, you have to sign those paper like the documents yeah, she, she just AWOL. left okay so we ended up getting um, access to her medical records and found out that she was not pregnant so the pregnancy was negative there was no God. baby and there was no pregnancy at all and she was mm-hmm. five months along apparently apparently <laughs> then that to them I think to the paramedics she said she was like seven months though I didn't feel like the cops were doing their job fast enough in my eyes. So I ended up taking it into my own hands. I was obsessed. I ended up finding out that I knew her cousin. We dated the same guy. I knew, I actually knew her cousin, which I didn't know was her cousin at the time. I ended up finding her phone number, calling her, and I just blurted out. I saw a picture of you and Cassandra on Facebook and I recognized you. I don't know if you remember me, but we dated the same guy in middle school. And she was like, I know who you are. And I was like, okay, well, this is easy then. Like, so I think this girl tried to kill me. I think she started my house on fire and she wasn't in shock at all. Mm. I was expecting her to be yelling at me, but she was like, I believe you. Everything that you're saying, I believe you. My cousin's crazy. I ended up finding a news article that was like our try. Like it was like, it was like from a long, long time ago. And it was of her running away. And it was when her mom was still alive and her mom was in the news talking about, they were saying Cassandra was a danger to herself and others and that she was schizophrenic, manic depressant and all, you know, all of that. And so I gave Ooh. all the evidence to the cops and they you were did like, their work for them. Basically. Yes. So when that happened, they asked me, well, would you be willing to come down to the station and call her and just act like you have no idea what's going on? We want her to admit that she was in your room alone before the fire started. Mm-hmm. Gathering all the evidence yeah. from exactly. her mouth from her mouth. And if she can admit it, then we can get her for arson is what they stated. They had me come down to the station. They had me like all wired up and everything. And I called and basically I just had to act like everything was fine, which was extremely painful and hard. Couldn't even imagine. 
I would have been shaking. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was going to throw up the whole time. So I had to be my bubbly self. I was like, Hey, Cassandra, like what happened last night? Are you okay? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, that's so crazy though. Right. Like I had to act like I had to act like I had no idea. And I was like, it's so crazy that my closet started on fire. You were in there and you, you remember that, right? Like you were in the room before the fire started. And she was like, well, yeah. And I was like, yeah, like I had, and the, the cops kept going, like, like they wanted me keep to going. Keep, keep yeah. going, keep going. And so I was like, yeah, it's just, you know, you were trying on that dress and that dress, I had you know, the dress looked cute on you. Like I just had a makeup conversation, mm-hmm. but I did get her to was in the room and they gave me like the thumbs up. And then all of a sudden you heard someone in the background get off the phone and then like take the phone. You can hear like that and then boop, like done. And so the cop said, whoever she's with right now caught on to what's going on or she caught on to what's going on. And, you know, but we got what we needed is what they stated. Um, a little oh bit God. after that, I went into labor. I didn't know what was going on with the investigation at that point. I was in, I, I ended up getting preeclampsia and I was in the hospital for a while. It, that was a good six or seven days that I was in the hospital. Oh my God. You know, we had security outside my room. I was about to ask, did you feel safer mm -hmm. at the hospital than when you went home? I did. But when I gave birth to Ryland, honestly, like the whole thing was traumatic. The three days of giving birth, like trying to give birth, my body just wasn't going into labor. They were trying to avoid doing a C-section based off of what was happening. Um, Like, you know, with everything going on, like having a C-section was terrifying, knowing that there was like, that's what was going to happen to me. Mm. Oh, gosh, I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, we tried to avoid that. But it was just all together, like it was just traumatic, the whole thing But they had security guards outside my room. You know, nobody could get in without a special code. So I did feel safer, but it was just a traumatizing situation because I ended up bleeding out afterwards. And I passed out in a puddle of my own blood after oh. I gave birth. It was, I, I hemorrhaged and they found me in the bathroom. And so that I just, I felt like I was destined to die. I felt like I cheated. Oh death. my gosh. And so when the nurses would come in and try it, because me and Ryland had infections because my water broke and um, I didn't deliver right in time. So we ended up both having infections. So they had to keep on grabbing Ryland and I was not okay with that. So I would mm. like, show me your badge, show me your badge. Like I was crazy, you know, like don't touch my no, baby. Like, kind not of, crazy. Was, As I'd say, that's mm. not crazy. That's not after what you went in through. that circumstance, completely mm-hmm. normal. Totally normal. I think in any circumstance. <clears throat> I was about to like say, actually, you know, oh, yeah. Amplified. And I'm sure a little bit of your experience having him had a lot to do with the fact that your blood pressure was probably pretty high because you just suffered a horrible trauma and were left with crippling anxiety and fear and confusion. And I just can't even imagine. Oh yeah, because I went to the, I was going to the doctors every week and I was fine prior to right. that. There was no swelling. There was no, you know, blood pressure, your, you know, the protein in my urine, the, the sharp pain on my, like, I think it was my right side. Like all of that stuff just started coming a couple days after everything happened. So altogether, Ryland's birth was traumatic, but we made it out alive. And, you know, but at that time it was, it was hard because I really did feel like I cheated death. So then I felt like, I felt like I was destined to die. So I didn't want to sleep at all. And that became hard. And then when we finally came home, she still hadn't been arrested. Oh, no, they couldn't, they couldn't find her. And so I refused to sleep in my room because every time I looked at my closet, all I saw were flames. All I could picture in my brain were flames everywhere. The PTSD was pretty, pretty rough. I wouldn't sleep alone. Um, 
my, you know, my husband would be with me or my mom would be with me. My mom and dad stated like a few, like it was more than a handful of times. They would just try to like touch me to wake me up and I would just start swinging. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember that. I don't recall any of that happening. That was just the PTSD that was taking Mm -hmm. like, and not knowing that, you know, you know, the feeling of her being out and about. Yeah. She's not terrifying. I didn't know that this was a thing that people tried to kill people for their babies. Did you know her motive at that point or you were just guessing? We were just guessing. Everybody was guessing that she just wanted the baby for herself. And not to mention that nobody believed me. None of my family believed me. None of my friends believed me. Like my close, like my close close friends did. Like Hannah. Mm -hmm. She didn't believe me. The one that introduced me to her, like they were all just like, okay. Wow. Okay, kind of Shame on them. Honestly. I think that they didn't because it took, she was arrested, I think March 8th. It happened on February 16th. That's how long it took to arrest her. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah. Cause if she was crazy enough to try to do all of that in the first place, then who the hell would put it past her to go into your house and blatantly try to murder you mm-hmm. after his birth. I mean, why wouldn't she? She already tried exactly. to literally kill you or steal your child him, just to have the baby. I mean, literally that's less ew. work for her. Exactly. And so it was a long, like I said, it, it was a long time and it was Rylan was born February 26th. So February 26th. That's my mom's birthday. Oh, yeah, it just took forever for them to find her. So when they did find her, I remember Josh and I were sleeping. I finally made it to my bedroom at some point. (laughs) I was like midnight or like one o'clock in the morning. I remember my mom waking me up and saying like the calls for you, the calls for you. It's Sergeant Mary. It's Sergeant Mary. And I remember Rylan, like we were co-sleeping. So I remember making, putting a pillow down for Rylan. Mm -hmm. I'm just half asleep and it's just Mary Turner. And she's just telling me we got her. And I'm like, just oh trying to wake up. And I'm like, what? And they're like, we got her. We got Cassandra. Mm-hmm. I want you to know that you can finally sleep tonight. Oh, have no. a rest. Have a good rest because she is arrested. She was arrested for attempt of first degree murder, arson, burglary, and um, attempt of kidnapping. Oh. And, like, my heart just like, I couldn't go back to sleep after that. It made things more real to the point like where I just didn't, you know, understand. Like it, it was, I still couldn't believe it. It was like, even though I knew, I, even though I knew it was happening, it just still was unbelievable that it happened and that she was arrested for it. And the next morning I remember waking up and feeling better. But then that night it was all over the news. It was on oh every station. And there was everybody wanted a statement for me and everybody wanted to talk to me and I refused to talk to anybody. I wanted mm-hmm. nothing to do with it. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. Uh, I, d- I didn't speak to any media whatsoever. Um, but they just like kind of put it on there like what she, like what her confession was and like they didn't play the confession, but they just put like what her confession was and what was like what was like what she was trying to do. And I remember my phone going off like constantly from people mm-hmm. apologizing and telling I me, was about to ask good. did anybody yeah. apologize because mm-hmm. a lot of people a lot of people apologized good. it was again it was a hard thing like my my close friends believed me but like there were just people it's not like I told everybody but it was it was a small town things were going around when they were finding out what was happening and again it took weeks so I think that's what really made it people not believe me or not want to believe me is that well, if it really happened, why isn't she arrested kind of thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, those they need to gather substantial amounts of evidence. But what I was always under the impression was that um, Cassandra wanted my baby for herself. And that's what the cops always painted that picture. Um, we went to, you know, 
court and everything like that. And we ended up doing a plea bargain because the prosecutors were telling me that we didn't have a good enough case because even though they had her confession, they didn't read her her rights, I guess is what they stated. And that if we went to trial that we would lose everything that she would possibly want. And so that terrified me. And so they said, we want to offer a plea bargain for arson because that's what we can get her for right now is for arson. And that we want to do a seven and a half year plea, uh, plea bargain um, where now we'll give you the option if you want her to go to a mental hospital, the Arizona State Hospital, or if you want her to go to jail. And I chose the mental hospital because I knew that one day she would be getting released. And mm-hmm. with her being released meant that she would be back with society. And I felt beneficial wise that she would she would benefit from getting help, you know, because she was sick and yeah, so then I'm going crazy in a cell. Exactly. Getting it wouldn't no benefit anybody mm-hmm. if she came out even 10 times, you know, worse. The judge, I had a whole letter that I wrote out to her and it took me forever to read it because I couldn't stop crying. But I basically, like long story short, just told her that, you know, what she, like, how I felt what she did to me, how I felt betrayed, how I felt, you know, it opened my eyes to what, how ugly this world could be and just how much pain that she put me through and how much you know, in the end, you know, I came out stronger because I have my son and this experience is, you know, I take it as an experience that I'd never want anyone to go through, but like I made it out on top and the judge gave her opportunity after opportunity to apologize. And she refused to apologize. She refused to say anything. She just wanted to be sentenced. And that was it. I'd almost want not even just an apology. I'd want to thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. No shit. And so after that, I ended up, you know, going all these years thinking that, you know, she wanted my baby for herself only to find out when I had the guts to actually get the interrogation tapes. I found out a whole different story. Not one out of the oh. three hours of listening to that interrogation. Did she ever state that she wanted the baby for herself? And it was all just, it was, it was crazy to me to know that, um, to know that the cops lied to me because I also have police documentation of them stating like we read her Miranda rights to her. And these were all things that were, were stated that they couldn't use because of it. So it was mm. really weird that That's um, frustrating, frustrating and like weird that I was lied mm-hmm. to. Do you still have the interrogation tapes? I have a clip from it that will like, I put it together to kind of piece it. Cause this is three hours, but mm-hmm. I can play the clip. Uh, Please, um, if you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. How, how did you decide on Angelique? I didn't. I was like, there's a girl. I was like, I don't know her. I know, but that's what I'm just trying to figure out. Because she said it would be perfect. She but said she didn't live it. You and Angelique didn't go to school together. We didn't you go didn't to know her or anything like that. How did you get to know her? Hannah. Okay. Who, who's Hannah? Hannah's this girl that I met out here. Okay. So you were living out here all this time that you were going back and forth to Chandler, being there whatever you were to them, okay? So you met Hannah, and Hannah introduced, and then what? I was like, you can do this, but I have told him. I was like, they can't. I was like, you can't. He was like, yes, you can. I was like, yes, you can. It's not that hard. I was like, yes, it is. What did he tell you to do to her? They like, hit her upside the head or something. He's like, hit her upside the head. He's like, stab her eyeball. He's like, it's not that hard. How much money were you guys 
just gonna get for bringing a baby down to Mexico. Cause you were gonna get something for you. You ain't gonna do that for free. He was gonna. How much? He was gonna get money, but he was also gonna sell over there. How much? I don't know. Usually when. You know. No, no. When he said he was gonna go to Mexico and we were gonna go to Mexico, he said he was gonna go sell a few kilos down there. And he said he approximately said he approximately said he was gonna get five thousand for the kilos and then an extra six on the side. But he didn't tell me what the extra six were for. I'm not worried about the kilos. No, I know, but I'm saying. Okay. But I'm saying, he said he was going to get an extra six. He didn't tell me what it was for. But you were just going to stab this girl, steal her baby, and go down to Mexico and hand it over to somebody for absolutely nothing. And then you were going to come back up to the airport I wasn't gonna go and live your happy little life. No, I was going to stay in Mexico. I was gonna stay in Mexico. Cause I'm done. You was, you was gonna get paid for that. Yeah. You know you were right on that. We know that. From him. How much? How much? It wasn't. How much? No, it wasn't. How much? It's not like that. What is it like then? It's not like that. He was gonna provide. Provide what? Cassandra down and question her. So this is, hold on one second, this is... I don't do nothing. No. You want the truth. I want the truth. You want the truth. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth. I was just going to stab her. Stab her a few times and that's it. And hoping, like, I could take the baby. I didn't want to kill him. But if that's what it was going to take, like, I'll, I guess I was going to have to. But... Wow. And she was just convicted of arson? Yeah. That is so messed up that they did not read her her Miranda rights in a confession like that. Oh. That whole confession. I mean, it, it makes no sense that or, you know, now I found out years and years later. So there's a really huge possibility that I the only thing that makes sense to me is that there were bigger fish to catch and maybe possibly fingers crossed they did catch bigger fish and maybe mm-hmm. they that's the reason the plea bargain was put out there maybe for her safety maybe for you know whatever it might be I will never know the truth because I'm too scared and too I'm not I'm I'm not ready people ask me like you know I've went on this healing journey for such a long time my son's going to be 12 years old in February and I don't have it in me to go backwards that right. took me, that video or that what you guys heard I recorded in 2020 and that was my first time not right now but that was my first time ever hearing it that recording that I showed you guys and it blew me away it blew me away because I always thought that I was always scared of her because I thought that she was obsessed with having my son only to find out that this was a trafficking thing that was going on instead for almost yeah. a decade Mm-hmm. That's what she was a small part of a very big human trafficking operation, mm-hmm. which is probably still functioning today. That that very ring she was in, because that's how it goes. That is, especially so it, if they were going out of country. Yeah, exactly. And because there's nothing you can do. It's a direct line. You know, Arizona is such a dangerous state for human trafficking. You catch the interstate and go straight. 
down. Exactly. And they would have never found Ryland. You know, the whole reasoning the fire was put in there was, again, plans were just going plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. Somebody was whispering in her ear and she kept wanting me. Remember I told you guys, remember the park. She kept wanting me to go to the park. There was a reasoning from what I was listening to was that there was somebody at the park waiting for me in a van Mm -hmm. and they were waiting for me to come there um, so they could take me back to her house. They wanted it all to be done at her house, but I wasn't giving in. I wasn't giving in to go. And so, you know, like I said, I tell people all the time, you know, you can sit here and say woulda, coulda, shoulda. um, And you can't, like I was on the Dr. Phil show in 2013, I think it was 2013. I think I was almost 20 and I was asked to come onto the show to do this, to spread awareness, to talk, to tell my story from my own mouth, to let other women know that this is something that does happen. This is something that can happen. Unfortunately, it wasn't about the trafficking because I didn't know about it at that time, but it was about just the fact that people do this. That this is something that is mm-hmm. a very rare, but also is very common at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And he brought me onto the show and had his own agenda. He wow. humiliated me completely and did the, well, you could have done that. Well, you should have done that. And you didn't do that. And in my eyes, it felt like I was being blamed and it felt like I was being shamed. He's not even a doctor, by the way. I cannot stand that they call him Dr. Phil. He does not have a doctorate degree. The way they got me onto the show was I I turned down plenty of shows. Anderson Mm -hmm. Cooper, I survived, you know, other things on the ID. I there were plenty of places. Again, even when it first came out, you know, I, I didn't speak to anybody about it because I refused to. Um, because I was so traumatized, it just wasn't something I was ready to do. When I finally was ready, you know, Anderson Cooper show, they wanted me to say that she was my best friend. You know, they wanted me to change things. That was a deal breaker for me. I didn't want to do that. Same with the ID channel. There were other places that were, they want to take your story and turn it into what they want. And that wasn't what I was looking for. I didn't want people to tell me how to tell my story. I wanted to tell my story because I lived through it. Right. And Dr. Phil show was the only one that came up and said, like, I want you to do it. Speak to speak, speak about it. We have a huge platform. And unfortunately, I wasn't one of those teenagers that watched the Dr. Phil show. I didn't even like really know anything about it. So I went on the show thinking that that's he was going to help me. You know, they were going to give me free counseling and it all just sounded amazing. And I was like, that's what I'm looking for. Like, I'm looking for a huge platform for me to tell my story only one time and just let it be known. And, you know, they said the whole show was going to be on my my story. When I got there, everything was going great. The day of the show, everything changed. They ended up doing a two part story and they had a lady come on that was obsessed with having babies. They did her part first, which they didn't tell me. They told me the whole show was going to be about me, which sounds like I'm not like stating like, oh, no, about me. So I'm upset. It was just weird that like I get on the show and oh, yeah, by the way, you're only going to have 20 minutes, but we're going to give this girl who's obsessed with having kids. That's minutes. a slap in the face. Yeah. Just, having was, someone that's mm-hmm. obsessed with having kids collided yeah. right into your thing. I wouldn't even put that as like this Thursday, we're going to have this person on and then next Thursday, blah, blah, blah. That's so inappropriate and disgusting. Lights are shining in your face. You're, I was nervous as can be. I was excited, though, to tell my story just to find out, you know, not even seconds later, he puts up a board and just goes, well, this happened, but you did this. This happened, but you didn't do this. 
but that happened and this, and you were scared to hurt her feelings. And I literally asked him like, what was I supposed to do? Say, Hey, are you trying to kill me? He said, well, if that's in the narrative, like if that's what you're thinking, that means your friend's ready to go home. And then like laughs and the whole audience laughs with him. Ew. He's such an asshole. I, I have never liked Dr. Phil ever. He is an asshole. You can just see it. He, to me, is an abuser. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after he goes, when, like, they go to, like, they do, like, the fake commercial breaks, and he goes, you're so amazing. Yeah, you're doing such a good job. You're, I, I'm just, I so much. And I'm just, like, like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I was crying. I was, I walked off stage at one point. Like, I just, I I was embarrassed. And when the audience laughed at me, I believed everything that he said. I thought I went, I left, I left that place crying my eye. Like when they put me in the taxi to go to the airport, like literally right after you're done, it's like, okay, bye. Like they push you off into the taxi. They're like, okay, see ya. Go on. It's time for you to go home. We used you, gave you more trauma, abused you. And now you get to go think about it. Thanks mm-hmm. for the views. Yeah. And Enjoy watching it on national television. Mm-hmm. I literally cried the whole way, the whole way to the airport. And I never saw a counselor after that. Let's just say that. Like I never saw Aww. a counselor after that because I felt like what he stated, I thought he was a real doctor too. And I thought that this was like a whole show up. Like, again, this is all just what I'm thinking. And I probably should. One thing I will admit is I should have done more research, but I didn't. And that's just the thing. So I don't know. Like, I just, I, I, I honestly believed him. I went years mm-hmm. believing him. I went home and shredded everything. I wanted it out of, I shredded Aww. all of the things that I had, in, like anything, like the letter that I wrote to Cassandra, everything that I did, anything that had to do with that case, I shredded it all because I wanted nothing to do with it anymore because I was ashamed of myself. And I thought that, thought that I was the problem because this guy that has this huge television, you know, show and audiences, obviously, if they all think I'm, if they all think I'm the problem and that it was my fault, like it must be my fault. And so I went years thinking that, and I didn't want to talk about it with people. And I didn't, you know, want to spread awareness at that point because I felt stupid. And I didn't even know victim blaming was a thing, honestly, Mm -hmm. until someone kind of brought it to my attention on TikTok you know, it got brought up on TikTok for a little bit and then someone brought up the victim blaming and I was like, wow, that's a thing. Like, yep. and then I started looking more into it and I was like, wow, like this isn't just mm-hmm. me that he does this too. This is everybody. Yeah. yeah. He does it to everybody. And we're taught, like, you know, Jen and I, like our thoughts on people in places of power, like famous people, we mm-hmm. social media and like pop culture just teaches us that if a person is famous, they must have good integrity. They must have good yep. character. He must be a professional Dr. Phil. He must be professional. He must be fantastic because he's famous and everybody watches him. He is no more a doctor on TV than Jerry Springer. He right. is a TV personality. He is not someone that you can trust just because he's famous. But we are, that is like pushed into our brains from such a young age and you fell victim to it, literally fell victim to him, like many others before you. And it's not going to stop until his show's canceled, honestly. And a lot of people are scared to come forward. I know that when I came forward on TikTok about it, it ended up being a fluke thing. It wasn't like I came on to TikTok and was like, hey, I was on the Dr. Phil show. That's not how it happened. Somebody recognized me. 
and with my story and said, I think I watched you. And then a bunch of people, like thousands of people, I want to see the clip. I want to see the clip. So I posted the clip and it turned into a lot of people messaging me that were on his show that stated Mm -hmm. he did the same thing to me. He did the same thing to me. And all of his victims, you know, are scared to come forward. Notice, like, if you type in, like, Dr. Phil or see anything, you don't see people coming on and talking about their experience on it. And, you know, mine did, unfortunately, I had no idea, but it went, like, everywhere, like, all over the news, all over stations. This was just, like, a few months ago. People who are watching, who maybe watched that Dr. Phil show and attacked Angelique uh, on social media or believed the narrative that was spun in the show you were lied to you were gaslit you literally fell victim as well and it would be wise of you to take a step back and try to live the story that you just heard if you're listening and imagine what you would do and how you would feel if that happened to you on national television after as if dr fucking phil has a clue what it's like to go through an experience like that things that we as a survivor you sit there and you already you nitpick every little detail that happened and that's in your in your trauma story and you figure out ways that you can you know not do that again or you figure out you sit there and go well I could have done this and I should have done that but then it's Mm -hmm. not good to do that to yourself either no no what happened happened and There's nothing you can do to take it back. All you do is learn from that experience and move You can't forward. dwell on it. Yeah, no, it's like getting all. out of a really toxic relationship. And then only after you leave the relationship, do the red flags just start hitting mm-hmm. you. And you're like, holy shit, how did I not see that? Oh, my Years God, later so sometimes stupid. for me. Yes. And it's just like, how did I not see that? I feel so dumb. Well, guess what? In that moment, you were being manipulated. You and at you. that young of an age. And you were nine months fucking pregnant. Like literally. At any point did you feel like you would have done something differently? At first, um, I did. At first I did. Um, again, because as a survivor, you sit there and nitpick yourself and you try to figure out what you did wrong because you feel like it's your fault or you feel like, mm-hmm. you know, you should have done something differently. After years, I went back to counseling and I started to realize that everything that I did is what saved my life. And it's yes. a skill that, you know, I was blessed with that. I, I mean, we're, we're all blessed with them. We just have to figure it out how to use them and not to ignore them, but I wouldn't change anything because it all played out exactly how it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Let's say that I did what Dr. Phil said and I told her to leave, or let's say I told her, you know, yeah, you know, anything that I would have done would have disrupted her and it would have she would have been crazy she would have went crazy I mean the knife was already to my back and so not only was easily when I turned one and she said three she could have just stabbed me so yeah all together I feel like everything happened the way it was supposed to and it's funny on my TikTok people are always like God you know God was watching over you and listen I'm a religious person but I'm also I also believe in science too and I believe that intuition is a real thing and that oh 100% yeah my intuition is what saved my life I would not change one single thing about what happened that night because my son's here he's alive and he's healthy and I'm here and what more could I want out of that oh my gosh do people on TikTok attack you or like take Dr. Phil's side? Oh, yes. People call But you know what? They've never heard the story, though. I I kind of went backwards um, doing my story. I, I 
I, I did a trend and that's how my story got out. I did a trend, you know, the, Dun, dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> dun, dun. Yeah. That was the first one I the ever trauma did. trend. The yeah. trauma trend. Stop. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and I wouldn't tell my story. I was I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And then months and months I did I did that trend, I think, in October, like somewhere between there last year. I still didn't tell my story. I gave little pieces, but mm-hmm. I didn't tell my story. And the Dr. Phil thing came out around that time also, just when everybody started learning about it. So all people knew was his side and not my side. And I still didn't want to talk about it. I still wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. I let people call me stupid. I let people threaten me. I let people, you know, they block my page almost got taken down. Like I let them all come at me and I try to do clapbacks to them and try to make it seem like I didn't care, but I did. Mm-hmm. Care. Um, and then I stopped talking about it. And then I decided one day I woke up and I decided I'm telling my story. And I think that's what opened up everybody's mind mm-hmm. to knowing you know, in, in my story time, I specifically say, I'm doing this not for you guys. I'm doing it for me because I'm Hell yeah. not because I feel pressured or I feel like if I felt pressured, I would have done it four or five months ago, right. but instead I'm doing it because I believe that I'm strong enough now to talk to you guys and share my story for the first time ever with my own mouth, like from my own voice, because mm-hmm. that's what this, I said, like, there was no platform like this when I was younger. It's an amazing platform to get your story yep. out and for people to hear and to know that you're understood and to know that there's people that are like you and, you know, not saying there's a lot of people that have gone through what I went through, but trauma is trauma. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I always state, it doesn't matter that my trauma ended like was like this. People will be like, well, you didn't even get stabbed. Like, is that even trauma? Like, oh. excuse me. I'm so sorry. I should it's have been stabbed trauma. to please you. Yes. Yeah. So I'm all so big on trauma is trauma. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is, because no matter what, you're the one that has to live through it. And nobody's yep. going to ever understand that. To those people who don't, you know, believe you or attack you on social media, assuming they're listening to this podcast, what would you say to them? I would just tell them like the ones that attack me um, that it's okay, that it's, you know, I, I do understand where sometimes you want to know the whole story in order to be able to, you know, figure out which side you're on. It's just, don't be, don't, don't be judgmental. Don't, if you've never been through something or if you've been through something worse than I have, that I'm sorry that you've been through that, you know, trauma is trauma. And if you haven't been through anything, then, you know, just take a step back and realize that, we're just trying to survive like as survivors. And some people think of it as like trying to get attention. It's not, it's telling your story is such a, it's such a great way of healing and it doesn't make you an attention getter. It makes it, makes you strong. It makes it, it's, I feel like when you're ready to tell your story, it's like almost to the point where you're almost done at that healing journey. You're almost yep. ready to blossom Agreed. at that point. 1000% I mean, it took me 11 years <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. people think forget that it took 11 years and altogether I'm not a hateful person and I also um I forgive you I'm a forgivable forgivable for I forgive everybody usually it's just you're human I'm human That's and it right. is what it is I'm still going to keep telling my story no matter what so <laughs> so he- he- to tell. I mean yeah. <laughs> that was very well stated um, oh my God, beauty pageant answer. Do you think it affected how you parent your kids? This whole experience? It definitely, especially with Ryland, um, it definitely affected the way that I parent and my mindset on life itself. Um, obviously, as parents, we're worried about our kids and we want to make sure that we protect them from anything and everything. Mm-hmm. I went from being from here to here, like 
to the point like where, you know, he turns the corner and I'm like, where'd he go? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, I didn't really want him staying with people unless it was just like my parents or like, you know, my in-laws, which I still feel like is normal with other people too. But yeah. I think um, I, I'm constantly having anxiety and I think the worst thing's always going to happen because of this experience. The older I get, the worse I get. <laughs> I swear. I swear. It's a thing. Still working on it though. Still working on it. I feel like I've opened up a lot more. Um, like I wouldn't go, I wouldn't take my kids to the lake cause I was scared they were going to drown. I wouldn't, you know, I don't like them going across the street cause I'm scared they're going to get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like them talking. I don't like, I, didn't, I barely let Rylan start playing with friends just like a good, year and a half two years ago like on the street like on our street and my husband was the one that pushed me for that like so it was definitely um I definitely think it's affected the way that I have parented but also in a good way because you know Rylan the whole experience and being like a teen mom like really changed my whole life altogether oh it does Mm -hmm. for sure what would you say to people who have either been on Dr. Phil's show or to people watching who are listening, who might be going onto his show, any words of wisdom or words of comfort to people before or after being victimized on the show. So I have had a lot of people that have messaged me stating that they wanted to go on the show or they were approached by the show. And my answer to them is do your research also just know that TV is always going, they have, a, they have their own agenda. They don't care about you at all. You're just money to them. That's all you are is a money sign to them. And they are going to twist your words around. They are going to edit it. Look at the, I, I went on the ID channel, a thing that you think that you watch, I, everybody watches the ID channel and they're mm-hmm. like, oh gosh, it's amazing. Even there, they still they still cut things out. They still edited things to the point where things didn't I didn't say. And, you know, they're not big enough for me to be like upset and call them out. But it's it's what happens when you go on TV. So if you're wanting to go on to spread awareness to do, you know, whatever it is that you're wanting to do, just know that especially Dr. Phil show, he's going to have his own agenda. And more than likely, you will walk off that stage feeling 10 times worse than what you felt when you walked on that stage. And it's not a good feeling. It's not. It's not worth it. It really isn't. And if you are living there for the drama, if that's what you're wanting is the drama and you're wanting that in your life, then by all means, go ahead. But I don't suggest it um, for your own mental state. I don't I don't suggest it at all. Do you ever wonder, like, when it happened, like, did Cassandra just meet you? And she was like, oh, nope, that's it. That's my vessel. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going after. Or do you think there was some instigation and collaboration behind the scenes maybe they were watching you or you were a target long before actually met you I think it was just a fluke thing I think that Mm -hmm. she and after listening to the tapes like she specifically states too that you know it just ended up being she met me from Hannah and that you know I was just nice and I was just perfect timing I guess you could say perfect timing for her to find somebody there was no target on your back or like yeah after that though after she met me like when she states is that she says well I met this girl named Angelique and she's nice and she's pregnant and he was like there you go like there you go that's her you get like that's who you're going after and that was in December so it was I was stalked for a couple of months it's not funny but like the trauma in me does think it's funny that you totally fucking destroyed her plan right <laughs> over like and you, over and over every again time, like she was probably like so annoyed 
She's like, fuck, she just won't give, she just won't come over. They're really like, <laughs> like she's a lot harder than we up. thought she was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, man, I don't know. I, I just think it's just kind of funny that you made her, you, you foiled her plans. Dang it. I did. I did. And just too many more plans had to keep coming in. Like I said, everything played out exactly how it was supposed to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely unreal. Well, we really appreciate you. Yes telling your story coming on here letting it be aware that this could even happen i would not think i mean you'd always think it's not going to happen to me but that's not even something that i would in my brain have anxiety over in the first place you know so but it is a common thing it happens right and in almost all other cases the, the women, the, the woman, the woman and or baby dies. Yeah, there's yeah. only like a hand. I think there's I personally only have heard of one other survivor um, that survived that actually got physically cut open. Um, and I, I heard her story. And, you know, it's very it's crazy. You know, she was I think she got in, she passed out within that time, but she woke up in the hospital. So she didn't at least have to like remember all of the cutting and everything. But she physically got cut open. Mm-hmm. I'm not only my advocate, but I'm also my son's advocate. And I like to think of myself as also an advocate for the ones that are not here, because I guarantee, you know, you've heard the stories on the news, you've heard, you know, seen the clips, but never have you ever heard a story from a, from the survivor's mouth because they're not here. They don't get to talk. They don't get to tell their story. So I feel like the more you learn about fetal abduction, the more that their stories will be heard and the more that they're, you know, they're, they're actually going to be heard at that point. Yeah, exactly. Well, we wow. really do appreciate you coming on here. Um, if you are listening, I do want to talk a little bit about human trafficking. If you see something, say something. Uh, no one is safe. I wanted to go over the National Human Trafficking Hotline number. Um, we can put it up on the screen so you can see if you're watching on YouTube. But if you see something, say something. Uh, the hotline is one 888 373-7888. Don't hesitate. It's better to be safe than sorry. And uh, use Angelique's experience as something to keep you more aware. And remember that. Never think it never, be never you. say never. Never say mm-hmm. never. Yeah. You know what, Dr. Phil? All right, guys, thank you for watching. We love you so much, and we will be back next week with an all-new episode. Bye.